0: Hey, Sarah. Hey, Sarah. How are you doing? Pretty
1: good today. Yeah, I've got my wine. I'm ready to record. Nice. Now, I feel like I'm doing all right. I'm managing mm-hmm. everything. I'm actually at a bit of a low point, if I'll be totally honest. Mm-hmm. And I, it really kind of came, I kind of came to terms with it this weekend. I visited a friend in town. And he is absolutely crushing it in the pandemic. He's gone out and built five miles of these impeccable trails, has done all these super cool projects on his property, is just living life at 100%. And it's not as though I was comparing myself to to him and his productivity. But I realized that I've been managing things okay. You know, there are these moments of joy and positivity but it's I don't know it's just been kind of hard
0: interesting so do you think he is he someone who's normally like this or do you think that he's just recently hit his stride
1: I think well I'm actually really surprised because he's a very very social person Uh and I don't know just I think we're all managing this time right now very differently and going through ebbs and flows and right now i just feel like the past couple of weeks i've kind of been in, at a low point you're in an it, ebb yeah i'm in an ebb and it's is it's that right gonna... is, that
0: the, is the ebb the down one flows, <laughs> i don't even I don't know, know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Do, sure.
0: like, can somebody send us a voicemail please and tell us what the phrase ebbs and flows actually refers to
1: i'm totally ebbing right now <laughs> i'm ebbing like a mofo <laughs> I'm, I'm flowing so i don't know yeah. <laughs>
0: I assume Ebb is the low one and flow is the high one, but it's not it's not as um obvious as peaks and valleys.
1: That's true. So you're in yeah. a valley, let's say, yeah, it's not like a super low valley, but I don't know. it's it's made me think that because obviously, when we talk in the podcast, we're in good moods because, well, generally speaking, if I'm not super tired, and we're we're on. Like, and what I put out in social media is pretty, it's positive because generally things are going okay. But I don't know. I I just feel like maybe the the fires recently have really gotten to me where it's just like one tragedy too many that I just, I feel so maxed out right now.
0: Yeah. Interesting. I definitely go, I I definitely ebb and flow. Like, I notice that I go up and down. Um, Not like in in days or weeks that those kind of chunks like not on a daily basis Mm. I'm not bouncing up and down thankfully yeah Um, but I definitely have noticed times because um, my business has really been growing and there's been times when I feel really on top of things and like I'm building something and I'm really in the moment Um, and then there's been other times where I almost like I'm I don't know what direction we're going and I feel I feel confused and I don't know what I don't know (laughs) you know? Um, and I feel a little lost or I feel moreover, I've felt fairly emotionally exhausted. Um, on and off lately Um, and it's interesting you bring up the fires because that definitely um, it's here in Victoria like it's I understand it's not as bad as some parts of the U.S. and California in particular Um, but um, when the sky is covered in smoke and you have that weird light that's kind of like yellow orange and the sun that's supposed to be in the sky (laughs) like supposed to be a big ball of sunshine is kind of like obscured and weirdly eerie and orange it's very odd like it's very apocalyptic um so that definitely that definitely affected me um earlier in the week it's we're sort of clearing now because it rained <laughs> so just what you need a little rain to make you feel better
1: um oh sometimes it yeah. does yeah i i guess you know it, it just feels like there's so many layers right now Where normally Obviously, there there are always things going on in the world that feel a bit overwhelming. But I just feel like things have just stacked and stacked where, you know, you have your normal day-to-day hardships. And then it's, you know, some the professional stuff. It's the personal stuff. It's, you know, political, environmental, like, just going on and on where, I don't know, like this week, I the past few days, I've really had to... Uh, I really shut down training and just dialed things back because I just, like you said, I felt emotionally exhausted. Just needed to kind of regulate before I can get back to 100%.
0: Yeah, it's interesting you bring up training because often, like, if we start, if, if people start to go into an overtraining mode, which to be clear, not many people are actually capable of overtraining. <laughs> so I don't want to scare scaremonger anyone into thinking they're overtraining. But if you, um, it's like stress is stress, right? We often hear that like stress on the body, stress on the mind, stress, emotional stress. We experience it as the same thing in terms of our hormone response. Um, But I think I actually learned this from training, right? If you're in a high training load, right? What you can handle on a day-to-day, day-to-day stresses becomes less. Um, And so likewise with like everybody in a pandemic, Right. I I suppose everybody to a different to a certain extent or to different extents, depending on how well um, folks are coping and able to adapt and whether you kept your job or all kinds of factors. Right. Um, Or how many kids you have at home. (laughs) Um, But I think that it uh, I think that it's the same thing. So the pandemic, the like the changes, the the smoke, um, just like all the things that are changing globally have created a situation in which um, our stress levels are, our base stress levels are higher. Mm, So additional stress is coming in, like, like you say, like training, then you add training onto that, right? Which I think a lot of our listeners are still training fairly hard for triathlon or mediocre for triathlon. (laughs) Um, then that becomes a bigger stress than it would during normal conditions, if you will. Um, so it's interesting. Yeah. Um, well, I'm sorry to hear that you're, uh, in a in a low point
1: an ebb (laughs) in an ebb (laughs) well basically this is a very long way for me to describe the fact that i am slightly in Eeyore mode right now okay so it could be an interesting podcast that's all i'm saying this is it's (laughs) you gotta carry one for the team here right
0: so warning (laughs) to listeners sarah is eeyore although i never believed she could be eeyore but um okay coming up on the show after our seven and a half minute intro um we have a new sponsor announcement very exciting uh which we and we'll also talk about some sponsorship tips for new pros or folks looking for sponsorship Uh, we had a great voicemail about policing girls clothing and we're going to announce a new feisty podcast after this Hey Sarah, have you seen those new Form Smart Swim Goggles? You know the ones that have the display right on the goggle, so you can see like, in real time how fast you're going and your heart rate and stuff?
1: Yeah, I have seen them and I'm really interested because they just added a, an open water feature, which is terrific because you can go from the pool to open water and still be able to have those same metrics as you swim. Yeah, I mean,
0: knowing how fast you're going in open water in real time is um, totally amazing. So I think it's gonna revolutionize swim training.
1: Absolutely, and if they add like a a loon detection device to it, I'm sold. Done. Hey Sarah, I have a riddle for you. What's refreshing, (laughs) great, any time of day, and super awesome.
0: Oh my gosh, is it the If You're Riding Podcast? Oh no, wait, by the look on your face, it's not. It's it's noon. Yes! It's noon, isn't it?
1: Ding, ding, ding. You got the answer.
0: Woo! Okay, friends, seriously, Noon Hydration has been a sponsor of Live Feisty and this very podcast for a couple of years. They are amazing, they are supportive, and we all get 30% off with the new code. Note the new code Live Feisty. Um, at noonlife.com so use the code livefeisty e before i at noonlife.com
1: i'm sarah gross and i'm sarah true and you're listening to if we were riding my
2: time my time none of you people can tell me to stop this time like the last time you better get ready.
0: So if you haven't guessed it already, drum roll, we have a new sponsor. Wait, can we do it like here? Oh no, maybe, maybe Lindsay can add a drum roll in. Yes. Oh, you didn't
1: like mine? <laughs> Yours was amazing.
0: <laughs> um, our new sponsor is Form Goggles. Um, they're the ones that have the, like the metrics right on the, what do you call it? Like right in front of your eyes when you're swimming.
1: The casket? isn't that what those the goggle technical name I think so yeah
0: maybe gasket am I totally I don't know (laughs) it's
1: one of those it
0: sounds right to me like it sounds right but it's lit
1: gasket it's either a C or a G okay
0: you were definitely more of a swimmer kid than me so we're gonna take your word for it sorry Will (laughs) (laughs) So I have to say, okay, shout out, first of all, shout out to Will, um, who's the marketing guy for Form and he is a, a listener of the podcast. And I met, so the first time I met Will, I went to their Canadian company. Um, and I went to Vancouver and I went to their office, um, and it was so fun. And I was just like, these guys are amazing. Um, and I think they're going to change the way that we swim. Um, and I want to work with them. So that's sort of how it started. Um, and then in Kona last year, by complete coincidence, I think probably because we both booked at the last minute, um, we ended up with staying in like the same resort like way out at the end of alihi drive for anyone who knows kona like we were like you know like six miles plus way out there um and so in the evening sometimes like they'd come by and we'd be like we always worked like 16 hour days in kona so they'd come by and like bring us beers or like one day will brought us like tiny pineapple stuffies um so they were like or like (laughs) one time we accidentally dropped a pineapple in the parking lot um and then like suddenly like we got like tagged on social media with like will like like, pineapple down tagging us (laughs) this pineapple yeah so like they were really fun to hang out with um and so yeah we're like happy to partner with them they've been sponsoring the iron women podcast going on two years here so um we've been super happy for that partnership but i'm glad that they're they finally came to their senses and decided to sponsor us Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yay. (laughs) Um, And I know, Sarah, like you had, you said this week you had a couple pros or newer pros reach out and ask you some questions about um, sponsorship.
1: Yeah. So this is, this is actually, I would say this is the number one question I get from new or aspiring professionals is how do I negotiate sponsorship? Uh, And actually... I saw that you posted something similar on Instagram about your experience as a young, at, a young yeah, pro. Yeah,
0: in my old orca kit when I was a baby. Yeah, I, I like yeah. that. Yeah. Not really a baby, but 17 years ago, I looked pretty babyish.
1: Yeah, so I I don't know. I think this would be interesting given our experience, and I think we probably both made a lot of mistakes along the way, just talking through... Things that we would have done differently, things that we've learned, yeah. you know, our our top tips. I, for lack of a better word or expression, you know, for for this crowd, if there's anybody out there who's yes in that boat. So, what's your like? Okay, what what would you say is like your number
0: number one, or give give me a couple of okay. your top tips for uh, what you would do the same or differently. I learned. would
1: say number one, don't take it personally. So recognize that it's business. Yes, you form personal relationships with uh, people within the marketing department. But if they choose not to sponsor you, if they choose not to extend a contract, know that there are a lot of forces at play. It doesn't mean they don't believe in your potential. They don't believe in you as an athlete. It's just there's a lot going on. So I, it was it was hard for me a couple times when I would have a contract that wasn't renewed or just know that it's not, mm. it's not about you. It honestly, um, I think that's a big one for me. How about you?
0: Hmm. That's a good one. Yeah. I think, you know, I was, I wasn't that great at creating sponsor mm-hmm. relationships like a lot of, the, well relationships I was good at, but not getting big contracts. So the, the, the sponsors that I had, I had a couple of great sponsors for my career. Zoot Sports was one of them. Um, they, they came to me, this is like way back when people used to actually reach out to you. Like, that never happens now. Um, and then I kind of just, like, took what they offered me, you know. Um, and at some point during my career, I decided I was going to uh, focus a little more on coaching because I felt like that was easier than um, than co- this constant chase of trying to get sponsors. Um, so – or it created – A, it, it created a space where I could give back more um, but also, like, created, like, a consistent income um, and something I enjoyed doing. Um, but now – as a media mogul um, who also chases sponsorship I realized like all the things I was doing wrong or could have done better right so like and and most of the information I had I just didn't know how to execute on it so like people used to tell me to follow the brands that I like use their products and then and then ask them for sponsorship like to actually do it in that kind of authentic way which is totally good normal advice right but like I didn't know how to do that like, I don't think I, I don't think I understood, like, how long, like, that that was going to be, you're going to have to invest time into that. Like, if you're going to use a nutrition product to know enough about it to know if it affects your performance, you're going to have to use it for a while in training and you're going to have to figure it out. So you might be investing in something that, like, the next year you might be looking at sponsorship, right? Um or like we some of the relationships we make now are literally literally are like I know when it's a fit right away because they are brands that we absolutely love like when I talk to them they fit with our messaging if they're right away talking about um, like changes they want to see in the sport with regards to women or inclusion you know and if they and if they're already doing things in that direction I know it's a fit Um, if we if like the gooder sunglasses that we have the partnership with. Like I knew right away that's a fit because of the look, the feel, the price points really um, accessible. So um, that was a good. So I, I think that that, that genuineness about, about the companies, like that's going to be felt both ways. And it is, it is a time investment, right? Um, and then also, like people used to tell me to think about what you're offering to the sponsors, right? And like, that's something as a business owner right now, I like, I'll go into a conversation, I'll ask like the head of their, de- market, their marketing department, what their goals are for marketing for the year. And then I'll try to figure out if there's any way we can help them meet those goals, <laughs> right? Seems really obvious to me now. <laughs> like, I'm like, and sometimes it's not a fit, right? Like if, if their goal is to meet, is to sell to men, uh, 40 and 50 year old men in Denmark um that's not that doesn't align right but like if we could help them meet those marketing goals then I can say okay this is what we could do for you and see how it fits and that seems so obvious but at the time it wouldn't have occurred to me to be like that that would have felt ballsy to me as like a 26 year old to say to like to go into a meeting and say hey what are your marketing goals as a as a company that wouldn't have occurred to me so that's worked really well to try to find those points of connection yeah
1: no to to piggyback on what you were saying about authenticity 100 mm. so i've seen so many athletes they will take a contract with a product they don't really love but it may offer them money or more offer or more money than another company and it might be to their detriment so best case scenario mm. is it it's something that they don't really use and it doesn't come across well on, you know, to, if you have discussions with them about products or they're, they're plugging it on social media, you, you can feel it sometimes. It doesn't help the, the company either. So really ask them early on, ask them. Um, and this is another piece that I learned is that a lot of budgets are set very early in the year so in the summer that's when you start cultivating relationships and ask them for products ask them to try a product and know whether or not it's actually going to be a fit and if it's a choice between a smaller product or a smaller contract with something you genuinely love or more money for something that you don't love as much i i've always gone with less money but something that i can fully endorse um Mm -hmm. i mean i'm i'm still in that position where i have definitely turned down contracts where i just i knew it might change my performance and ultimately that's more important to me which is another point sponsorship is great these are these are partnerships with companies and you have hopefully similar goals in mind you know that there's that alignment but just knowing that uh the goal of being a professional is not about stuff. It's not about, it shouldn't even be about money. Like if you can make a living, that's amazing. But what should get you out the door every day is the desire to be a better athlete and to show that on the race course. Oh, I'm always shocked when the first question I get about being a professional athlete from somebody who's an aspiring pro has to do with that side of things. Mm -hmm. Cause hopefully it it will fall into place but that shouldn't be yeah. the number one concern you have in your mind you know when you decide this is what i want to do
0: yeah absolutely you know, this is i've had this conversation with other people right and i i mentioned my decision to do a little bit of coaching instead of continue to pursue sponsorship relationships and part of that is like controlling stress and and just being able to rely on my income because if you have if you have stress about not having income and you're hyper focused on getting sponsorship, then that's going to take away from your training. Totally. So it's about finding a place where you're happy and content and can do the training you need to do. And the other thing I think that folks um, sometimes neglect is they they feel that if only I could train full time, I would be I would be better, or I would be able to be a pro, or I would be whatever, right? But that's actually not true. <laughs> um, and I think that. Like we can get, I've seen a lot of the people who have been successful have been able to keep full-time jobs and train around that because A, they're so dedicated, they want it so badly and they're focused like throughout the day at their full-time job, they're focused on nutrition or they're figuring out how to make it work. Um, So you can get to probably like, I don't know, it's going to be different for everyone, but depending on your job and and your performance, but you can get to like 90% of how good-ish you will be um while maintaining a job, right? And and that so I think that's a good testing ground for like if I if you can train, if you can have your job, make money and train and and be within a certain percentage of the first or second pro at a race, then maybe you actually have a shot at a career. So figure that out first and put all your passion and purpose into the training and what it's going to take to do that. Um and then, and then you can go, okay, hey, you know what? Like I went to this Ironman, I came fifth. I was 25 minutes behind Sarah True. <laughs> um, and maybe I got a shot at this. And then, and then that's, that's the moment you take the leap. Like thinking that quote unquote full-time training is some kind of magic pill. It, it just is not. And as you know, Sarah, like when you, even when you have sponsors, there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that. And sometimes that responsibility feels like a job.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I guess, so I think part of the problem is we have, it's nomenclature. So it really should be called being an elite, you know, so your Mm. goal is to be the best Mm -hmm. in the world, but Mm -hmm. we use it interchangeably with professional. And the truth is there are very, very few elites who are able to make a living solely from sponsorship and race earnings. And it doesn't, it doesn't mean you aren't a great elite if you also have a part-time job, but I think it it really, it warps our perception of, you know, what it really professional just, it's a, it's a financial category. It's not a performance category. And Mm -hmm. we really have to separate those two. And I don't, I don't know why we use them. Like you're not getting your pro card, you're getting your elite card. You're, you're racing the the very top of the sport wave. Mm-hmm. And if it just so happens that when you file your taxes, it's completely because of your results, awesome. But if it's not that case, it doesn't really matter. Yeah,
0: that's so true. And I think I even I'm thinking of like Daniela Reef, for example, this week. I've just seen all over her Instagram, the photo shoot she's doing with Mercedes in... Um, in Germany and like or Switzerland probably And you like you better believe that that's that's a big commitment for her like she's spending full days doing hair and makeup and freaking taking photos like that is not you know like this is not I mean obviously there's not that many races for her to be focused on right now but it like it's a job
1: yeah for sure she she wants to be training I mean yes it's nice to have some pretty photos someday Mm -hmm. but What really gets us out the door isn't the products, it's not the pictures, it's getting good results.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And sponsorship isn't just like free money that you... It's not people paying you to train. No, It's people paying you for the... To be part of their marketing
1: strategy. Yeah.
0: It's... (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So if we can get our heads around that and figure out how we could fit into a company's marketing strategy. Strategy. Sorry, um, I don't know what I just said. <laughs> marketing tragedy. Um, some companies, it, yes, marketing. Some companies, they're marketing tragedy. Hopefully, you'll choose a good company. It'll be a strategy. Um, but, but yeah, then and th- then you're going to start to figure it out, right? Um,
1: yeah, and it's. I I think you kept on talking about a relationship, and it really, in an ideal world, it's that. So they come to they come to the table with an idea of how you fit in, and but you also have to come to the table with an understanding of how you provide value, and that isn't just results. You know that that has to be understanding what what assets you have for the company that extend beyond, you know, beyond your social media. Um, if if you don't have a huge following, that's fine. Think about other ways which with which you engage in the your community and how you might influence purchasing, um, you know, among other people. And that doesn't mean like if you have 100,000 people following you, if they do not feel that you are being an authentic brand ambassador, it doesn't matter. You know, if you have 10,000 people, but they believe in you and believe that, you're being true to your word that carries more weight
0: yeah absolutely one more story before we
2: finish oh yeah please
0: our our, like number one sponsor for live feisty is orca right and when i think back on how this relationship evolved like i think it started like in 2017 i think i talked to someone who worked for for orca at a party in Koda, right like that's how it started right and then uh, 2018, there were a few times, same person talked to again, like at a, you know what it was like in Kona, there's like parties, like, <laughs> like parties every night you see the same people, but like talked and like genuinely just like, liked those guys. Like I love working with those guys now. Right. But at the time it's like, we, I like, like those guys enjoyed their company. We shared values. Like it was enough to know, like we had enough to know that. Um, and then 2018, then 2019, like it took a. There was a, it, and it, there was no intentional relationship building, right? On my part, it was just like talking to people about what's important to them. And also, like for me, it's important to know the companies. Like I don't want to just work with a company that's just trying to sell wetsuits, right? Yeah. Like I want to th- work with a company that's trying to sell wetsuits and clean up the environment and cares about um, women's like inclusion in triathlon and diversity and all of those things. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, it's been like a very, as a business person, I feel I've done much better than as an elite athlete. So.
1: Oh, I, I I have one horror story. Oh, horror uh, story. Yes. 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 So, Bring it. F- pretty early in my career, uh, my I, I had a friend who kind of served as an agent, helped me out with stuff like that because I, I'm not a networker. And so mm-hmm. much of this is really about relationships. And there was this Dutch water company called Aquadrot and
0: it's already sounds bad they
1: I think they they were you know um, signed up to be a big sponsor with USAT and with some other athletes and I had a contract I signed it you know really wanted to get some of this water because it seems important to me that I actually knew the product I was you know the, the brand I was working with couldn't get any water couldn't get any money as the year went on, couldn't get any communication with them. So I had this contract that was worth absolutely nothing. It said and for me this is this was massive at the time. it was1 10000 dollars for the year. So I'm like this is this is amazing. this is this is a lot of money for me. Well, it's a lot of money for anybody. Uh, but the ends of the year, I realized that this company, it was all a sham. All of these contracts they had signed, nobody was able to recover anything from them. It was just a total joke, basically, Mm -hmm. and we were all left out to hang. So, you know, I probably should have known when I couldn't even get water.
0: (laughs) Couldn't even get water. You should probably know when someone's selling water. Totally! (laughs)
1: That's the
0: first clue. Let's think of the, <laughs> let's think of the most, the cheapest well, thing we could possibly sell. I'm, I'm trying
1: to remember what the, it was in, it was like enhanced water, you know, right. one of those things. I know, there there was some, tr- it was a thing, it yeah. was a thing. But yeah, I get, I don't know what I would have done differently, other than, just actually probably even tried the water before I signed the contract mm. to put the logo on my suit. And, yeah. yeah have contracts that's a, that's a big one too because i i had i had a couple of companies that had me uh kind of hanging for they're like oh yeah 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 you know we're we're here's some product. we're definitely going to sign with you later on the year and i kept on waiting and waiting and waiting for contracts to be delivered mm. and it, they never showed up mm. so don't that's represent so somebody until you have something in your hand
0: Yeah. I'm going to, okay. I said that the last one was my last story, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to add another one.
1: More stories. More stories. Cause
0: this, um, this had never happened to me before. It was actually a bit of a heartbreaker. Um, so we had a company that we worked with when we first started Live Feisty and they are, they're a nutrition company. People are going to be able to read between the lines, but at this point I don't mind. Um, and we started in 2017. We had a great relationship. They were one of our first, like I made a sponsorship deck. Actually, Max Fennell, who has a coffee company um, now called Fen Coffee, before it was called Coffee Method, um, he reached out to me and said, Are you having sponsors on your live coverage at at Ironman Canada (laughs) because we had announced it. It was the first, one of the first things we did. I was like, um, yes. (laughs) So, so I made this on the way there, on the way to Whistler in the windy road in the car, I was like, had my head out the window, like, because I felt nauseous in the back, I was typing out like a little, like a word document that was like effectively my first sponsorship deck. And so Max sponsored us. I sent it immediately to this company that I had like that I I knew them um and they right away said yes boom like it was like within a minute I sent the email they sent back yes which we it was five hundred (laughs) dollars um to to cover our and we put their names on the screen um and they were great and I love this company we work with them for um a year and a half um and then we had a contract in 2018 um like the contracts and as we got bigger we would do we had a code so we do some sales for them and we got percentages um and, after 20, and in 2018, they didn't pay me. And I was like friends with one of the owners. Um, they didn't pay a couple other pros. That there was, that wasn't was big money for us. Although at the time it was. Like when you're a startup, you're like, hey, every every little bit is, is a thing. Um, and then I had other pro friends I didn't pay either. So I don't know. They must have gone through um, some hardship. Uh, they still exist as a company. I don't know what happened. Every once in a while, I hit send on the invoice. Just like as a little like I still do it (laughs) just to remind them that they still owe me money with interest Um, yeah uh so that was like that was it was that was interesting because I realized like and I genuinely was friends especially like especially with one person in the company um and unfortunately like we lost that friendship um but like I don't really know what happened besides assuming that like but that people will always like You know you have to if your business is about to go down they're going to have to preserve their family make sure they protect like certain things before before you so like um what i would have preferred is transparency in that situation um because i think that's a debt i would have forgiven but um as it is uh that was a bit heartbreaking for me um and i learned like we need to make our contracts a little bit more bulletproof um and then also with contracts with a small contract like that like I'm not going take I'm not gonna take someone to court over a few thousand dollars. Like that's actually like the, the recourse on right. the contract is is very the recourse you have is very low unless you're willing to um, pay for lawyer's fees. So um, yeah, it's it, it happens. I think that the, I, I don't it have happens. any better thing to say than like occasionally that happens. you don't get paid.
1: Yeah, well, it's it's hard because the marketing budget is based. On their projections of sales and things happen in business. Yeah. And marketing budget is one of the first things to get adjusted. Yeah. And as an athlete or as a company, you might be on the wrong side of that. Mm-hmm. So, again, starting off with my first point don't take it personally. Yeah. But have yep. a contract. <laughs>
0: yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Exactly because it's not personal. <laughs> yeah um so Sarah that was a great conversation we also had a voicemail this week from Courtney so let's listen to that
2: hello Sarah and Sarah and if we were riding friends I noticed Rosie's back to school outfit on Instagram and was super impressed with her fashion sense and I will definitely say that my 14 year old girls would have picked out that outfit so nice picking Rosie unfortunately neither of my 14 year old girls would be allowed to wear that outfit to school because in Florida girls are not allowed to wear shorts that are any shorter than four inches above the knee they are not allowed to wear tank tops they are not allowed to wear leggings unless they have a t-shirt that comes down to that same level as the shorts four inches above their knee and in high school they actually stop first period and do a dress code check so that they can send kids home to get appropriate clothing. Even worse than that, we have what are called academies in high school where you can sign up and give up one of your elective classes to take something that could potentially be career related. Now, in these academies, they have business casual Fridays which are given for a grade. And they grade the children on how they're dressed. This includes if they're in the even stricter dress code for that, which means no form fitting dresses, no maxi dresses, no maxi skirts, no sleeveless anything, no cleavage, no tight fitting pants. And they should be wearing a jacket and heels. There have been complaints and even lawsuits against the school's dress code, and yet nothing has changed. Welcome to Florida, Land of the Dumb. Okay, you
0: know I'm all about this voicemail,
1: right? Oh, Um, for sure. And best closer ever. (laughs) (laughs) I will have to say, it's not just Florida. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a lot of places, uh, even up here, my, my sister-in-law said that uh, schools in this area are trying to deal with this. And yeah, not just Florida.
0: Yeah, I think if I'm going to go, so I'm going to go like macro with our cultural issues around this. But I think one of our big one of our problems as a culture, especially in North America, is that like somehow women's bodies are always sexual Right. So like there, there is a time and a place when but when naked bodies are sexual, can be men's bodies, women's bodies, you know, in in like heterosexual or like in, in any kind of circumstance. Right. Um, it's not just like a boys and girls thing. But I think that like it because we're not used to having nudity in any other circumstance other than sexual Other than sexual, like not, I mean, that's not strictly speaking true, but mostly, you know, we're not used to like, like boobs are still boobs, even when they're not having sex. (laughs) Right? like, like <laughs> and penises are still penises like even whether or not erect like we we need to like kind of figure out how to make sense of like naked bodies in other contexts and that would mm. solve I think a lot of like so if you see other places that we consider more liberal or more open with nudity um, right. like in Europe for example um, it's like it's not that it's It's that they don't always see bodies as sexualized. Um, And I think that's healthy and good. And we need to move that direction instead of trying to tell girls they need to cover their shoulders and their knees and whatever else, their midriffs.
1: So when I'm out walking my dog in my mostly old people neighborhood, I just need to visualize everybody out walking their dogs naked. So then... (laughs) i don't know your solution. we just we need to see everybody as naked underneath their clothing and then realize that it doesn't matter what you're wearing yeah or like
0: one okay one environment <laughs> i've seen nudity be super positive is like art class you know when you have the nude models mm-hmm. um that are like that could come from like any they're not necessarily like stereotyped what we would consider attractive it's just like the nude model of the day and you come in and you paint someone whatever and it's not this is not a sexually charged environment this is an art class <laughs> um and so like I felt like that's been like that was certainly I, I took art class that was healthy for me or I've seen like I've talked to for example I had a friend like who was a teenage boy who was like taking art when I was a teenage girl and he was taking an art class and I like it definitely helped him to like figure out that like how bodies can be something other than sexual when they're naked um
1: uh, fun story. Fun story. Uh, early on in my pro career, mm-hmm. that's how I made a little bit of extra money.
0: Oh, by being an, a model.
1: Yeah, li- uh, yeah, live drawing classes.
0: Oh, I love that. Oh my god, I love that. That just connected.
1: <laughs> yeah, in in college, uh, I took art classes, and uh-huh. like like you said, you just realize it's it's a form. Yeah. Um, and I felt like it was an easy way to make a little money of money but also just kind of come to terms with it's just a body yeah so it's good for me and i'd like to think it helps other people practice their art
0: yeah yeah oh good for you that's
1: great yeah
0: um i love that i wish i had you just
1: sit there so it's really easy money Yeah. (laughs) sure i'll sit for 50 bucks (laughs)
0: <laughs> Although, okay, what I'm about to say is, like, totally counter to the previous point I made. But um, I, I took I took an art class where we had um, – so, first, we had a nude model who was female, right? And she was – and we had to draw – it was a drawing and sculpture class. And she we had to draw her. And she was just, like um, – I mean, by society's standards, she was beautiful, right? Um, and young. And so – and we drew her. Whatever. That's fine. Um, and then, like, the male model was, like um, – Let's say, by society standards, not... Um, <laughs> so like, I was all like, okay, the male model's coming, this is great. Whatever. And we had, he was called Bob. He was about 63, 65. Um, and we had to sculpt him. <laughs> and it led to like... Oh, and the, pos- the position he was in, you could only see his um, bits through like a certain angle where you had to like go around to the side and look through like his leg which was like he was sitting with his leg up and so it created this funny situation it was like over multiple days where like Bob came and went and was like sitting in this position and so, so we would have to go around to, like, look at, and eventually I just got, like, I got so sick of this, I modeled his genitals after, like, what the other people did for the genitals, because I'm, like, I'm just tired of going around there, walking around, very clearly I have to get, like, the look at, like, what's going on there, and and clay it. Like, (laughs) like (laughs) so, like, that. my very, what do you call it, I just... (laughs) I just wish we'd had a. uh... Anyway, it was it was a naked body in a non-sexualized environment, and I can appreciate that. But um, for my from my like twenty year old self, I would have preferred.
1: Well, it's it's aesthetics. I think we can all agree that you know when you see something beautiful, Mm -hmm. it does trigger something different in your brain. That's true. I mean, yeah.
0: Thank you for affirming my. uh,
1: Yeah. (laughs) my, My.
0: Bob but his story. body
1: is beautiful in its own way I,
0: yes absolutely
1: absolutely i can't <laughs> believe that story just came out
0: i just i forgot about it for like 20 years
1: <laughs> that's a good one <laughs> yeah we'll leave you all with that mental image that's right they looking at bits <laughs> and, and, and sarah naked
2: <laughs> hey no sorry that's not fair
1: no it's not fair sorry <laughs>
0: In a non-sexualized environment. <laughs> totally.
1: Whatever. I'm over it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, okay, let's take our second break and then we'll come back. Oh, we're gonna talk about the new feisty podcast. And our regular listeners will know that if we were riding and all things feisty
1: is proudly partnered with Orca
0: Sportswear.
1: For fifteen percent off all items on Orca.com, please use the code Feisty 15 and that includes the wetsuits. So good deals all around.
0: We grossly, as in in a big way, and truly want to thank our sponsor, Noon Hydration, for supporting If We Were Riding. If you love us, or even kind of like us, or maybe just like our content, you can make sure we grow through our Patreon campaign at patreon.com forward slash livefeisty. And also make sure you talk to us on Instagram at If We Were Riding we love talking to people on Instagram, especially on the stories. If you want to send us a voicemail, record a voice memo on your phone and send it to sarah at livefeisty.com. That's sarah with no h, me, at livefeisty.com. And remember the i comes after the e if you're feisty. We also love reviews on iTunes and written messages from you joining the conversation. If we were riding is a live feisty media production hosted by Sarah True and me Sarah Gross. Our editor and producer is Taylor May Handgrove.
2: My, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop. This time like the last time. You better get ready to race into do this. So the truth is I step on the field time, so my time My time.
0: So Sarah, have you seen our recent announcement of our newest feisty podcast?
1: I have and we were talking about this before the break, but I'm very excited mm-hmm. for the community in general because I think this is definitely an underserved community. Yeah. So tell us about it, Sarah. Yeah,
0: I'm excited too. So um the the podcast is called Hit Play Not Pause. Um, and the our new brand is called Feisty Menopause. Um, and so, basically, we have Celine Yeager, who, if anyone knows uh, Dr. Stacy Sims' book *Roar*, um, Celine actually wrote the book, uh, but actually was the person who had the vision to say, "Hey, we need to get this information into like non-scientific language, into something that ordinary people can read and appreciate, and will change." Our athletic lives, and I think anyone who's any woman who has read it, or anyone who coaches women who has read it, will know that it really it really was a groundbreaking book, um, and that was sort of Celine's vision. Um, and so we were thinking we were thinking of creating, trying to create, because we realized after working like we work with Stacy Sims a lot, and after working with Stacy, we realized that a lot of the menopause group was underserved, and there were a lot of questions coming to Stacy about um, about menopause. Right. And she can't answer all the questions and she doesn't have all the answers. She just has the answers <laughs> that she knows from her research. Um, so we thought, like, is there something we can do um, for this group? And so we started to do some research about who some experts are in the space. Um, and then at the same time, at the same, I think Celine came to us and pitched hmm. a, uh, a menopause podcast. And I said to her, I remember because she was like and she just wanted to do it. Right. And I said to her, oh, yeah, we can do the pot. Not only can we do the podcast, we're going to like pay you to do the podcast <laughs> because this is so important, you know. Um, and so uh, Celine has been great. If you don't follow her on Facebook and Instagram, she's I think she's Fit Chick or Fit Chick 3 on Instagram. Um, but she talks about this stuff a lot. She's in her 50s. She was a pro cyclist as well along the way and um, a well-known um, writer as Mm -hmm. as we just talked about so i'm excited about her leadership um i'm excited because like everyone everyone on my team like on the feisty like our feisty i don't know what you call it everyone who works with us is is super excited about this and the uh excitement is growing so it's it's now on um there's an instagram page you can follow called feisty menopause um, and we're going to have a live launch of the podcast um on zoom so you need to sign up for that and that's at the end of september So I'm excited. I love it like when we find these things where we're like, where are people like, where are people underserved and where do they need information and how can we help? Um, And then we just like find the space and it's just like it opens up and people start talking to us and going, yes, we want this. And so that's that's been exciting.
1: Well, I think I think that was the most impactful part of Roar for me Mm -hmm. was just the recognition that this entire chapter of your life. Well, it's, more, it's multiple chapters, right? Just gets ignored in sport. Mm-hmm. And we, we think of, you know, only of menstruating age female athletes and then ignore what happens next, yep. like the different, the different stages of that too. It's not just that you menstruate and then you're in menopause. It's a multi-year process and trying to help women navigate that time I mean, so just when I read it, it was so refreshing to see it acknowledged mm-hmm. and realizing that just the number of, of amateur athletes I've talked to who are like, yeah, it was incredibly difficult to try to navigate that time. My coach had no idea what to do. I had no idea to do whether it was something was wrong with me, what, how to train and still have goals, still have athletic goals and to be able to achieve them when your hormones are totally going all over the place yeah
0: yeah no you're totally calling it and i think the same with like it's the same way with um how stacy kind of revolutionized the idea that we could train with our hormones and get more out of ourselves if we sort of paid attention to our cycle instead of trying to ignore it and pretend that we're that we're like men as it were um and i think with this as well like it's interesting because because stacy um has a course, a, a menopause for athletes course. And like, even though we call it menopause for athletes, the first thing she says in the course is that like menopause is actually a moment. Like it's actually one day where you're officially your menopause is if you haven't had a period for a year, right? Everything leading up to that is actually perimenopause. Um, so like I learned something in the first five minutes of that course. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely, Oh, somebody started using the, the hashtag forgotten athletes um, in one of the groups because definitely, um, women in their late forties and fifties, sixties, like totally forgotten athletes. Um, and I think we're like also dealing with a new generation of women who like, there's much more say active women, um, in those older age groups. And I say that being (laughs) almost one of them at 44, um, that, like there's much there's more of us who are active in this in Mm -hmm. that age group more than say like my mother's generation for example
1: um well i'm 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 excited at a very selfish level mm -hmm. that all this is being talked about openly and and women like stacy are doing this research Mm -hmm. well just researchers are doing more with this this group because when i get to that point i want to know how to navigate Mm -hmm. all the all the ebbs and flows.
2: Yes, it full were. circle.
1: Yes, well <laughs> done. Don't tell me, don't ask me which is which, but there will be ebbing and flowing. And then not so much flowing. Exactly.
0: Oh, my God. I don't think I could top that. I think I'm just going I to I think we got to just call the podcast there.
1: All right, well, at that note, stay flowing, friends, and we'll, we'll talk to you next week. Or not flowing as the case might be. My time, my
2: time, none of you people can tell me to stop. My town, my crown, we know what it takes to be reaching the top. We're reaching the top. We're reaching the top. We know what it takes to be reaching the top.